Welcome to MoFo Perspectives, a podcast by Morrison and Forrester, where we share the perspectives of our clients, colleagues, subject matter experts, and lawyers. Welcome to Mo Forecast, a podcast series where experts from Morrison and Forrester make predictions about enforcement and policy trends in the upcoming Biden administration. Today, we'll be discussing the Office of Foreign Asset Control. I'm your host, James Kukios, co-head of MoFo Securities Litigation, Enforcement, and White Collar Practice Group. I'm pleased to be speaking today with John Smith. John is the former director of OFAC and a co-head of MoFo's National Security Practice. John, before we get into your predictions for the future, set the stage for the current context. What were OFAC's enforcement priorities and trends during the Trump administration? James, those are good questions to start out with because there's so much to cover. OFAC is the agency that implements and enforces U.S. economic sanctions pursuant to an administration's national security and foreign policy goals. Obviously, different administrations have different national security and foreign policy goals. This administration started out with President Trump, who was very skeptical of some of the changes that had been made during his predecessor's tenure. And so there was a focus on Iran. And as many people know, there was a snapback of Iran sanctions uh, this administration after President Obama entered into the Iran deal. Uh, President Obama also entered into an easing of Cuba sanctions. And of course, President Trump uh, decided to toughen those sanctions and make it much more difficult for U.S. persons to engage with the island nation to our south. And of course, there was much of a concern with Venezuela. And those became much of the administration priorities over the first years. And toward the end of the administration, as you saw uh, the trade deals with China that President Trump had hoped for for much of his tenure uh, disappear and that they were disappointing to the administration, you began to see a toughened posture toward China and additional sanctions that were being imposed. Now, those are all areas of enforcement that are affirmative in terms of OFAC's enforcement of U.S. economic sanctions by implementing new sanctions. OFAC also has their traditional enforcement arms where they penalize violations of current law or the old sanctions. And in those areas, OFAC really focused on some of the lessons that it saw from global financial institutions and global companies when they fell short. And so OFAC focused on inadequacies and compliance programs and screening and catching names of those who are on sanctions lists but somehow slipped by. OFAC also focused on protecting the U.S. financial system when there were dollar transactions that came through the U.S. that would violate uh, the sanctions. And OFAC also focused on global companies uh, when they had policies and procedures that should have protected the global organization, but subsidiaries and affiliates around the world didn't want to agree, didn't want to follow what the global headquarters said, so sometimes kept doing business with, for example, Iran, long after the global company said to stop it. And then the final focus, I think, from OFAC had been high-risk industries, 
uh, maritime, energy, financial, where OFAC decided to put out additional guidance and additional enforcement cases uh, to focus on some of the industry sectors that OFAC was most concerned about. John, you raised some memories of what I think a lot of people would consider kind of a very tumultuous foreign policy from the Trump administration. Given that and the incoming Biden administration, what are your predictions about OFAC's enforcement priorities going forward? Well, in much the same way I answered the first question, I'll start with some of the political implementation of national security and foreign policy goals that OFAC will be called upon to do. I think that there's a higher expectation in the Biden administration that there will be a focus on working with traditional allies and partners around the world. Uh, So, for example, the Iran deal, I think the president-elect Biden has already indicated that he wants to return to the Iran deal and have the United States re-enter compliance if Iran re-enters compliance. And so that would be working very much with European partners, with Russia and China, on trying to convince Iran to get back into the deal. I think that the Cuba sanctions were eased under the Obama administration, and many of those same officials who supported that easing are returning in the Biden administration. And so I think you could expect to see a focus on areas where we could try to find common ground with the government of Cuba to be able to ease sanctions again in return for uh, some uh, agreements or at least an easing of pressure on civil society within Cuba. I think that the Biden administration, however, will continue much of the focus on China, given the longstanding concerns over national security and foreign policy issues stemming from technology, stemming from Hong Kong and the crackdown that's occurred there, malign activities in the South China Seas, human rights abuses in Xinjiang. I think that bolstered by Congress and pressured by Congress, the Biden administration will continue in those areas. I think in some areas you may see the Biden administration actually pick up the pace on sanctions. Uh, So for example, may target Russia and North Korea far more than under President Trump, who seemed to have an affinity for those countries' leaders and felt like he had a special bond or a relationship with those countries' leaders that led the United States to not push the sanctions pressure as hard as it had in previous administrations. And finally, on the political side, I think you'll see a President Biden who wants to restore some of the common ground with allies by removing some sanctions that have been most antithetical to some of our traditional partners, like the sanctions the president imposed on the International Criminal Court. I think that would be a priority for the Biden administration to remove almost at the start. In talking about some of the political focus that we know that OFAC will have under the Biden administration, it's also important to know that the career civil servants will continue to be hard at work in enforcing any apparent violations of U.S. economic sanctions. It's important to understand that even as sanctions priorities may change from administration to administration, OFAC will still be uh, investigating and enforcing against violations of sanctions that may have occurred in a previous administration or while the rules were changed. But what you can expect is that OFAC will continue a focus 
on some of the high-risk industries and high-risk geographies that we see and that OFAC has highlighted throughout uh, its enforcement cases. I've already mentioned, for example, the maritime sector will continue to be a focus of OFAC. OFAC and uh, the UK's Offsea put out maritime guidance over this past year to focus on some of the risks of the maritime sector. And I think OFAC will be following that up this year by looking to companies that are not following its guidance in the advisory and those that it believes may fall short. In much the same way, I think OFAC will be focused on logistics, the companies that use other methods of transportation outside of the maritime sector to get products and services from point A to point B that sometimes might deal with sanctioned parties and sanctioned jurisdictions. And there's often the question, why does OFAC focus so much on logistics or transportation? And for many of the reasons that OFAC sees, this is an area of sanctions evasion. It's how countries like Iran and North Korea and Syria can use gullible or unwitting global companies that may not expect to be duped by sanctioned parties to help move their products and services from one point to another. So that's part of the reason that OFAC focuses on it is OFAC has seen so much sanctions evasion over the course of time. Another area that I think OFAC will focus on is illicit uses of the global financial system and the US financial system. In particular, I think OFAC will focus on illicit uses of cryptocurrency. There's been much skepticism over various methods of cryptocurrency use in recent years. And I think as cryptocurrency is becoming far more accepted and tolerated and utilized in the financial system, you'll see regulators and enforcers and agencies like OFAC attempt to weed out abuses under cryptocurrencies. And so I think you'll see much more of a focus on protecting the U.S. financial system by any means necessary and by any tools that are being used, including tools such as cryptocurrencies. John, in light of this changing landscape, what should companies do to prepare for enforcement in OFAC going forward? OFAC put out a few years ago what it considered to be the top commitments, compliance commitments, that companies should engage in to remain compliant with U.S. economic sanctions. And I think it bears uh, repeating those top commitments and putting a little bit of flesh to the bones, and as you can say, on each one of those commitments and what companies should do. The first was management commitment. And what OFAC has emphasized over the course of time is that management really needs to buy in to the compliance program that a company adopts and give compliance equal footing within the global company. That doesn't mean the compliance always wins the battles if there's a dispute between the business and the compliance side, but it does mean that compliance and compliance concerns have a right to be heard at the top levels of the business. The second one of those commitments was risk assessments. And I think those will be the most important things that global companies should undertake over the course of the coming months and years as the Biden administration uh, takes hold. As sanctions against China are increased and Russia may increase, 
and against the energy sector and the maritime sector and logistics sectors. I think it pays for global companies to make sure that they've adequately assessed their overall risk in terms of U.S. economic sanctions and how they're mitigating that risk appropriately. Again, it doesn't mean that companies can't undertake what might be more risky business, but they do so with their eyes wide open to the risks and how they can mitigate those risks going forward. The internal controls is the third element of the five elements that OFAC highlighted, and that's really an area that has tripped up a number of companies in recent years. The most prominent of those internal controls is screening your sanctions compliance program to make sure that if there are bad guys on a sanctions list, your company makes sure to adequately screen to ensure that you're not dealing with them. And that is easier said than done because a number of companies continue to make mistakes in those areas and to get uh, high price penalties. And these are sophisticated global companies that are having some of these problems still. So it means that every company should make sure that they're doing um, some element of internal controls and screening to ensure that they're not dealing with sanctioned parties or sanctioned jurisdictions. The fourth area was testing and auditing, and that's where a company can find out if its compliance program is really being implemented across the board, across the globe, in all of its subsidiaries and affiliates. And when you look at the OFAC enforcement cases over the course of recent months and years, you'll see that it's been this testing and auditing process that has enabled companies to find out when they have been violating sanctions and giving them a platform to correct it. And if you find it on your own and you report it to OFAC on your own, then you're far more likely to receive a very lenient uh, penalty or enforcement response from OFAC as opposed to those companies that don't find it on their own, that let this kind of conduct go on for years, and then a government regulator or enforcement agency uh, finds out about it. And then if so, you can expect to get a far more hard-hitting penalty. And the fifth of those compliance commitments was training. And it really is to say, making sure that all of your employees receive adequate levels of training. And this again may seem more readily obvious than it actually has been to companies. We all know that compliance officials and the lawyers who handle uh, sanctions compliance issues should receive training. But what companies often miss is the basic training for the business sides. No, your business folks don't need to be your compliance experts but they should happen to know a bit about uh, if they're doing business and they see Iran or Syria or North Korea or Cuba or Crimea. Those are the five countries or jurisdictions that are viewed as comprehensively sanctioned. They should know that if they identify any of those and any kind of deal that they're doing, that they should stop and raise the flag very quickly up the chain within the corporation to make sure that those deals are assessed before a company finds itself getting into hot water. From my perspective, those are probably the most important areas that global companies can do these days. Really, it's going to be difficult when it comes to an increasing focus on China, however, because global companies 
in trying to deal with the world's number one and number two economies are going to be somewhat stuck because they're going to want to continue to comply with U.S. sanctions because of the value of U.S. sanctions, uh, the reputation behind them, but also the importance of the U.S. dollar and U.S. financial system. But at the same time, they're going to be afraid of alienating the Chinese and getting uh, any kind of negative response from China. So it's going to be a tricky time for global companies. So they're going to need to make sure that they do the risk assessments, they do their political assessments, and they really know what they're doing going forward. It's really a focus on the term know your customer. And that's been around for decades, the idea that you should know who you're dealing with on the other side of the equation. And in recent months and recent years, some Trump administration State Department officials have tried to take that a step further to say, know your customer's customer. And no, I don't think that's going to be an expectation of OFAC or the, uh, the Biden administration going forward. I think there will be continued focus on know your customer. But that standard is really tightened and the expectations from regulators have increased. So while it's not uh, fully KYCC, is know your customer's customer would be, I do think it is an amped up know your customer, KYC. There is the view that you should really know your customer's lines of business, the types of industries and types of customers that your own customer is dealing with, because you want to be able to intelligently ask your own customers, your own clients, what they're doing and how they're protecting you from sanctions risk. And so that's a point that all companies need to assess is not really KYCC, but some elevated KYC to make sure that you've protected yourself. Well, thanks for those great words of advice, John. And this is the end of our Mo Forecast episode on enforcement and policy trends for OFAC, the Office of Foreign Asset Control in the upcoming Biden administration. Once again, I'm your host, James Kukios, speaking with John Smith. If you liked today's episode, and we hope you did, please visit the MoFo website and join us for additional installments of the Mo Forecast series, covering predictions for enforcement and policy trends in other areas of the law. Thanks for joining us. Please make sure to subscribe to the MoFo Perspectives podcast so you don't miss an episode. If you have any questions about what you heard today or would like more information on this topic, please visit mofo.com slash podcasts. Again, that's mofo, M-O-F-O dot com slash podcasts.